if we think back, maybe to when we were a kid. Most of us have gone through some kind of phase where we wanted to be a hero. We wanted to be the hero. I don't know how many of you had little Superman jammies, but I did. Only it was a towel and my own underwear because they didn't have Superman jammies when I was a child. I'm that old. But if you look at this guy, I mean, look at that guy. He can do anything. Look at that chest. I got to buy me some of those. <laughs> Superman can do anything. He's amazing. He's incredible. You see Superman, then maybe there's, how about this girl? Maybe you wanted to be Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Power to the women. Some of you remember this guy, the six million dollar man. It was so awesome. I apologize for those of you under 30 who just checked out. But for those of us who are old enough, this was very meaningful to our lives. The man that was made part human and part mechanics. And, and he was better than he was. Better, faster, stronger. My, <laughs> I was so excited when I was a kid to watch this on Friday nights. That was its first season. And then they moved it to Sunday nights. Where was I on Sunday nights? In church for the second time of the day. No DVRs. It was sad. What about the bionic woman? Right? Bionic woman. There she is. Wonderful. Some of you are Avengers fans. We got how any Avengers fans out here? Okay, cool. How many DC Comics people? That's kind of the alternative. No, much darker, much more low profile. Yes, some of you are not not Avengers people, but uh, now now there's these uh, this new generation of Star Wars heroes that are coming out. Yeah. It's so awesome. It's so incredible. And, and then there's, I mean, some of us, you know, as, as we were growing up, there are actual heroes like Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who, who is really worthy. He has he heroic uh, actions that changed our culture. Some of us are totally enamored with sports heroes, right? I personally have one, John Elway. Thank you very much. John Elway does come on. Let's hear it for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Cowboys are going down. So, <laughs> yeah, but, but some of you might have others, like this goofball. I don't know, I'm not really, not really a fan of that guy. I don't really think he's too much of a hero. He's, yeah, but he's really good. Boo. Anyway. Now, when I was younger, these were my heroes, all right? When I was younger, here, here they are. Luke Skywalker. <laughs> May the force be with you. He was such a little punk, and yet he's, right? Isn't that the story? He was such a, and then he saved the day. He, he was this hero. And so um, who could forget the Karate Kid? <laughs> eh? Did you watch the Karate Kid? I love the Karate Kid. Wax on. Wax off. I was, when I was, when the Karate Kid was like 1984 or something, and I was about his age, and I looked a lot like Ralph Macchio when I was much younger. Anyway, let's, let's go on. Who could, how, I mean, you got to, uh, so I'm going by uh, decades here, 70s, 80s, and then in the 90s, Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible. No? 
I love Ethan Hunt. We named our fourth son Ethan. I got the idea from this movie. And now, now, now uh, there's like Mission Impossible 9 or something. I think it's time to get it up, Tom. It's, um, I like this guy, Jack Bauer. <laughs> Jack Bauer. He, this, this guy is tough, tough as nails, always saving the day. I know what some of you are thinking, Ro Pastor Ross, didn't you have another hero? Yes, Jesus is my hero. Absolutely. Yes, I do. Yes. Here's the thing. Heroes have been part of humanity. Like as old as stories are, people have talked about great heroes. And subtly down deep on the inside of us, of all of us, there is this desire to be a hero, to do incredible things. That's, that's where we find Gideon. Gideon, this guy who was from the smallest tribe in Israel, and he's hiding out in a wine press. And, and, and we're going to kind of catch up here today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you Judges 6, 1 through 12, and we're going to see his context, and we're going to look at what God said to him. Look at this. In Judges 6, 1 through 12, it says, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. And these enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts and Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. So they're starving, they're hiding, they don't know what to do, and then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. By the way, this is the right thing to do. Even if you failed, even if you've done so many terrible things, even if you sort of made so many mistakes or, or pushed God to, to an arm's length, when you call on him, this is what happens. They call out for help. And when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in, those land, in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. God could have just stopped right there. So you get what you get. I'm out. That's not what God did. They cried out to him. He said, look, this is where you are. This is why you're where you are. Now I'm going to send someone. Now I'm going to do something. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Gideon essentially said, Who, me? I'm from the smallest tribe. I can't figure out why you're choosing me. I promise you, Gideon had no idea of the miracle that was lying within him, that God was going to accomplish his purpose with Gideon. 
Gideon had a purpose that he hadn't discovered yet. We're, we're in this series of, called On Purpose, and we're really talking about the lies that the enemy has told us, the lies we've believed about ourselves that keeps us from our potential and our purpose. But here's, here's the point. All of us have an innate desire. We all want to accomplish something great. We all want to accomplish our calling and our purpose. We want our purpose to be grand and to be great and to be meaningful. But sometimes we're stuck hiding, fearful, overwhelmed, feeling like there are no options available to us. This is where we find Gideon. And over the next few weeks, we're going to unfold that story. And you're going to see the miracle that happened in Gideon's life. If you ever seen um, Spider-Man 2, right? Don't judge me. Spider-Man 2. It's not the cool one, but the old one. You see, you see Spider-Man, you, 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 you see Peter Parker actually giving up on being Spider-Man. And so Aunt May meets him and, and she kind of knows. She's, she has a suspicion of who he really is. And, and so she gives him a little pep talk about who he is. Let's watch this right here. You'll never guess who he wants to be. <laughs> Spider-Man. Why? Well, he knows a hero when he sees one. Too few characters out there flying around like that, saving old girls like me. And Lord knows kids like Henry need a hero. Courageous, self-sacrificing people, setting examples for all of us. Everybody loves a hero. People line up for them, cheer them, scream their names, and years later they'll tell how they stood in the rain for hours just to get a glimpse of the one who taught him to hold on a second longer. I believe there's a hero in all of us that keeps us honest, gives us strength, makes us noble. And finally allows us to die with pride. Even though sometimes we have to be steady and, and give up the thing we want the most. Even our dreams. Spider-Man did that for Henry and he wonders where he's gone. He needs him. Do you think you could lift that desk and put it into the garage for me? But don't strain yourself. Okay. Don't you love Aunt May? <laughs> oh, what a sweet woman. We all need an Aunt May to speak the truth into us from time to time. She said there's a hero in all of us. I believe for the Christian, that's a profound statement. Because Jesus, by his spirit, lives in us and makes it so that there are incredible purposes, accomplishments that can be done. But we have to believe this. In the book of Jude, verse 20 through 22, he says, but 
ye beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and of others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Look at that list. Look at that list. Have compassion, making a difference, saving from fear, pulling them out of the fire. These are descriptions of what God's called us all to do. Listen to me. You were created for something amazing, and you, but you have to believe it. According to a Gallup poll, more than three-fourths of all adults say they want to make a difference in the world. They want to make a difference. But by that same poll, they discovered that more than half of all the adults admit that they're still seeking to understand the meaning and the ultimate purpose for their lives. Look at, look at that right there. It's, it's incredible. More than half of all the adults admit that they're still seeking to understand. They're trying to figure out how to create meaning, how to find purpose, do you see what this poll discovered? It's, 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 it can be hidden, but you got to see it. Almost all of us want to make a difference, but most of us don't have a clue of how to do it. We don't, know, we don't know what to do. We don't know the purpose that God has put in us, the purpose that will give life genuine fulfillment, the purpose that will enable you and me to make a true difference in the world. But listen, you were born, and God infused purpose inside of you. And what's going on in your life is he, is he is unlocking and unfolding and peeling back year after year what his desire is for you. That's where Gideon and us crisscross in our story. Gideon was hiding in a wine press. He was full of fear. He didn't believe in himself. He didn't have a purpose. But the angel appeared to him in Judges 6, 12 and says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And I can guarantee you in that moment, he didn't realize what was coming. And so what I've learned over the years is there are lies that we've believed. Lies. And that's kind of what this series is, is looking at the lies we've believed about our potential. I don't know if you've ever been hiking before in the mountains. A, a few years ago, my, our leadership team here at One Chapel, we went to the Wemenuchi Wilderness in the Colorado Mountains. And it was an incredible journey. We did eight days of hiking in the backcountry, no trails. We were just hiking through the backcountry, 45 miles with 45 pounds on our backs. I did not think I could do that. But we did it, and it was incredible. And what happens out there in the mountains is you lose your way. <laughs> You lose your way. You think you're heading towards one spot, and suddenly everything sort of starts to look the same. If you're not careful, you can easily start going around in circles. And so on the last day of our hike, we were, we were tasked with going to a, a point on the map, and he said, he told us, here you go, we've taught you for seven days, I want you guys to go by yourselves, no leader, no, no, no person who had expertise, just us, and we're going to go from here, we're going to go to there. And we were like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It was me and Nate Emmert and Spiro Stavros and Marty Irwin, we were, we were on that, that was the team that was, that was uh, assigned this particular um, uh, place on the map. So we start out, and we're going and we're going, and we got a compass, and we got a map, and we're talking about it, and we're just heading through, we're cutting through, and then we come to a cliff. Oh, no. 
We didn't follow the map correctly because here's the cliff right here. Oh, we're over here. And so we had to come, or, come around, the map, uh, around the cliff and, and back, try to get back on track. But for about three or four hours, it took us all day, for about three or four hours, we thought we were lost, like totally lost. We had no idea where we were. We had no idea how to get out. We were starting to freak out. Now, the interesting thing is we did end up finding the, the point of extraction where they would pick us up and take us to a beautiful hotel <laughs> so we would not have to sleep on the ground anymore in a gross tent. But for a long time, we thought we were lost. And we, could, we, f we thought we were lost because we couldn't see. Have you ever heard this phrase? We couldn't see the forest for the trees. You ever heard that phrase? Couldn't see the forest for the trees. This is how life is a lot. We think we're lost, and yet we end up looking back and seeing how God was sort of leading us. And even, even, even in the midst of our brokenness and our bad decisions, and then we, we're still finding a way forward, and Jesus is helping us. You know, this, this Jesus that we serve, people, you know, we call him Savior. That's a title, but I think it's also a description it's a description, and the description is he saves stuff. In other words, check this out. He saves stuff up for use later. He saves the good stuff. He saves the bad stuff. It's like he makes stew out of your life. It's like he saves the good stuff. He saves the bad stuff. He saves the, oh, where'd you get this? Okay, we're going to put that in there too. Jesus saves everything because nothing in your life is wasted. Because he's trying to accomplish a purpose, and he's molding and shaping all the stuff of your life to s direct you and steer you to that purpose. This idea of not seeing the forest for the trees, so easy to do in life as well. So I'm going to deal with the first major lie, and the first major lie that we, uh, I think, have to deal with when we're discovering and pursuing our purpose, is thinking that my purpose and calling is connected to my job. When my purpose, when I think my purpose and calling is connected to my job, in other words, if I could just find the right job, if I could just find the right position, then that's when I'll be able to fulfill God's destiny for me. One of the reasons why this way of thinking will get you lost in the trees of the forest of your life is because your purpose and calling would then be limited to the extent of your work. What do you, you and I work 50, 60 hours a week. Maybe some of you are high achievers, overachievers, trying to work 70, 80 hours a week. It's you know, you're, those of you who get up towards that 90 mark, that's really unhealthy, right? It's really not good for you. See, the extent of our work limiting our purpose is not something God's interested in. 40, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever, that cannot be the limit of the purpose God has placed within you. It goes beyond clocking in. It goes beyond receiving a check. And so, you know, if you think that your purpose is to serve in the children's ministry, 
Oh, that's awesome. As a volunteer, you come and you, you say, I want to serve in the children. This is my purpose, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach those kids, which is an awesome thing to be called to. But then you're, then that purpose limited by two hours a week where you teach them here? Or, let's be honest, it's more than that because you've got to prepare. Five hours a week? See, you, we have to understand purpose cannot be limited, and it should not be limited by the extent of your work. What do you do with all the off hours? Second, if finding your purpose and calling is tied to finding the right job or position, then this puts your purpose and calling in the hands of another person. Think of it this way. Let's say you came to me and you asked for a job at the church, and let's say in your interview you tell me, I just feel called to this position, and this is what I'm supposed to do. And if you believe that your purpose and calling is tied to the church, then that puts me in the position of being the gatekeeper of the fulfillment of your purpose in life. That is not a role anyone should have in your life. You can't make other people the gatekeeper of your purpose. You can't limit your purpose by a, a job. You can't limit your purpose by putting, giving power to people in authority over you where, you, where you're trying to accomplish a purpose. Because if I have the power to give you purpose, then I have the power to take it away. Doesn't make sense. How can you expect, how can God expect you to fulfill your purpose if the fulfillment of your purpose is dependent on somebody else? So, the purpose and the calling of our lives that God puts in us is not just determined by the mood or opinions of other people. It's not just determined by um, the job market or by the economy because if it's determined by any of those things, you will end up, and I've seen it happen over and over again, people living small and purposeless lives blaming those things for not being able to accomplish something. Thirdly, if you finding your purpose and calling is tied to finding the, the right job or position, then this means that your purpose and calling is defined by a list of functions and tasks. A list of functions and tasks. I want you to think about this because how could the weight of your life be defined by a list of functions and tasks? See, in almost all jobs, after a while, right, you know it, you, you, you do this at your job, you kind of get to a place where you just get the job done, so to speak. In other words, you end up being able to do that job with your eyes closed. You end up just being able to go through the motions. Another way to say that would be you do the job half-heartedly. <laughs> you do that job half-heartedly. I want you to think about this because it's really possible. Is it really possible? Is it possible to fulfill your purpose and calling by just doing something half-heartedly? No. I think our purpose and our calling will require us to do more than just show up. I think it requires all of us. It requires our wholeheartedness. It requires us, hey, it requires us to stretch and risk by faith. Theodore Roosevelt said it this way. I love this quote. Some of you have heard it before. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly 
who errs and comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcomings but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. <laughs> I love that. Listen, our purpose is going to require a risk. It's going to require all of us. It, can't, it cannot be done with half-heartedness and with fear. And so that's why your purpose can never be fully contained by a job. It's so much bigger than that. I mean, think about this. Think about the creator of the universe and his desire and design for you and for me. Think about him coming to earth in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, and then giving you his spirit, the source of all the creator has giving him to you, allowing you to have the gift of the Spirit of God speaking to you. And he's going to accomplish his purpose in you through a job? No, there's something so much greater. A job is so small-minded. Hey, and let's not forget, people. Let's not forget this. Look, look at me. Don't fall asleep. You guys okay? Everybody all right? You kind of, I saw you going down there. Come, on, come back up. <laughs> Let's not forget that we live in a country where this, like people strive for their purpose in a job, in a career. Like they try to attach this. And I, I don't know that it's, it's healthy, especially when you consider that God has a purpose for them that's greater than any job they could hold. And, and so I think we have to, undo this lie in our minds and understand that I think your purpose is going to show up in your job no matter what it is. I think potentially what's going to happen is you're going to see God doing his work in your life regardless of which job you hold. And many of us will hold many jobs, right? We're all going to have, that's, that's the nature of our current culture. We're going to go from job to job to job to job. And you have to have something fixed in your mind that you are unwilling to compromise on, unwilling to release your convictions. And that needs to be the purpose of God in your life. So if we're ever going to discover the purpose of meaning, we have to rise above the trees. We have to rise above the trees of our mundane lives. We have to see above the mundane and see the greater meaning. I love this quote from Eldon, Elton Trueblood. He says he was the former chaplain to both Harvard and Stanford University, and he wrote, a man has made at least a start on discovering the meaning of human life when he plans, sorry, when he plants shade trees under which he knows full well he will never sit. That's profound, isn't it? Thinking about this idea of the scope of our lives being and, and being part of a purpose that's greater than that. Counselor and author Richard later asked senior citizens over a 25-year period how they would live their lives differently. Okay, so, so th this, this study was done. All these old people, they're being asked, okay, what would you have done differently? He sa they said, first, they say that if they could live their lives again, they would be more reflective reflective they got so caught up in the doing that they lost sight of the meaning 
And they, they, should, they would have reflected more on what was going on in their life. Second, they would take more risks. Almost all of them said that they felt most alive when they took risks. And third, they would understand what really gave them fulfillment was doing something that contributes to life, adding value to life beyond yourself. So I want to highlight an idea here. I want to help you rise above the trees of your life through proactive reflection. Proactive reflection. Thinking about those older adults and how they are looking back on their lives reminds me of Moses. He wrote in Psalm 90, 12, he said, teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise. Did you see it? There's direction. There's a theme that emerges. There's an orchestration for our lives. Listen, and here's the part of the problem. Some of you, as you get older, you're like, shouldn't I be there already? Shouldn't I have already dealt with all this? Shouldn't it? Like you're looking for your purpose at 25. Friends. It's a greater journey than that. And God is orchestrating. He's, he's providing direction, and you are, you are taking steps towards him. And the earlier you start, the better it is. There's no doubt about that. But we have to recognize and understand if we're ever going to discern the purpose for our lives, then it's important for us to periodically disengage, to step back from our daily busyness, to stop and to examine our lives. Oswald Chambers said it this way, looking back, we see the presence of an amazing design, which if we were born of God, we will credit to God, and we can all see God in exceptional things, but it requires the culture of spiritual discipline, everybody say it, spiritual discipline, to see God in every detail. Never allow that the haphazard is anything less than God's appointed order, and be ready to discover the divine designs anywhere. That's what God's doing. Listen, I was raised by a pastor. I was born on Saturday and in church on Sunday. I was sitting on the front row at 16 months of age. There was only one destiny for me. I don't know how they made me sit. Well, yes, I do know how they made me sit on the front row at 16 months of age. It, it involved fear. But um, there was, there's, you know, she was playing the organ and he was preaching. So if there was anything that happened, I would get a look. And if I didn't pay attention to the look, then there was a snap. And after the snap, there was a visit somewhere outside. <laughs> so I, so I, I, I grew up in, in this way. But uh, what happened to me was I saw a lot of pain. I saw pain and heartache in my parents. I saw a lot of pain in, in, in my dad pastoring. I saw a lot of brokenness in the church world. I saw how, how difficult it was and how challenging it was, and, and it actually um, had, an, had an impact on my family. Some of you know my family history and how my parents were divorced, and, and it was such a broken season that it caused me to just say, I, I am never <laughs> going to do that. So I went a wholly different direction. I went and got a communications degree. I went and did uh, all kinds of other things to get myself away from that because I didn't want that to be my purpose. Like, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's just too much pain. That's too much heartache. <laughs> Obviously, you know the end of the story, but there's, there's, a, there's a process here whereby as a 20-something, all through my 20s, in college and out of college, something weird kept happening. I kept, I kept like stumbling into helping people. <laughs> I would be sitting somewhere and counseling people. I would be, I was, I was 
embraced in leadership circles, and then I would, I would find myself kind of in a position of leading, and, 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 and as I would lead, then I'd be like, okay, this is awesome. I don't want to be a pastor. This is awesome. I don't want to do this. Okay, and this is, and it would just kept happening to me because there was something inside of me that was bigger than a job or a position. When I went through a terrible season of life at my former church, New Life Church, a terrible scandal with the top leadership, a terrible tragedy with um, a man shooting people on our campus. This happened in the, sh- in the, in the uh, span of 13 months. And I remember during this period, <laughs> I remember going through this thinking, oh my goodness, this this church is going down. The leader has failed. This is, we are, I mean, we're gonna, this church is going to be a used car parking lot. And I remember thinking to myself, what am I going to do? I'm practically unemployable. I've been a pastor so long. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that funny to you, I guess. Um, so, so I... <laughs> I was thinking, what am I going to do? And, and I felt like the Lord said to me, uh, you can be a realtor. You can be a realtor. You can be a realtor and still accomplish the purpose that I've given to you. This isn't about a paycheck. This isn't about uh, a title. This is not about a position. You can still invest in people. You can still see my way forward. You can still help people and serve them. And so I seriously, I, I went through a season where I just thought, okay, I need to get ready. When I came here to plant one chapel, you know what happened? I jumped off a, a big career path and went left. <laughs> and I took the risk with my family and a bunch of other people to come here, and there was nothing. There was no church. There was nothing. And I was, I was ready to be bivocational. I was ready to be in any, whatever I needed to do, I was going to plant a church because I believed there was purpose in it. And, and when it all comes down to it, I have figured out at, at 51 years old that God has given me the purpose of helping people experience him. And I do it. I do it through a variety of means. I, can do, I do it when I'm speaking to you. I do it when I'm leading worship. I do it when I'm sitting in a, a, in a coffee shop somewhere. I do it when I'm sharing life with people. I, this is just in me. I don't have a choice. If one chapel ever gets to the place where it, um, where it, doesn't, it can't support me financially, I'll do it anyway because it's in me. Don't tell the elders that, but I'm just saying, I'm just kidding. So I want you to understand how God works. And the last scripture I want to read to you, and then I'm going to let you go. I want you to see that God almost always discloses his plans and purposes little by little and piece by piece. Little by little and piece by piece. And there are two reasons why he does this. Little by little, piece by piece. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. I want you to notice this. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Everybody say mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, check this out, for had they known, it was a mystery, it was hidden. Had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I eyes 
has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. One of the major reasons for, for this process by which God reveals his purpose a little by little, piece by piece, is he's hiding his full will and plans from natural people and from the devil. I want you to see what this scripture says. This scripture says, if the people who had shouted crucify him, if the devil himself had known what the mysterious plan that was kept hidden, if he'd have known, if he'd have seen it coming, they could have stopped the crucifixion, but they played right into God's hands. And, and God rescued the world from sin and darkness by the work of Christ on the cross. See, sometimes God is hiding things from the, the people and the spiritual part of this world we live in who would try to undo your purpose, who would try to kill it. And he's always, he's letting it, he's bringing it little by little and piece by piece. And the second reason he does this is because he wants you He's not just interested in his purpose. He's interested in your purpose. He's interested in communicating it to you by his spirit. It's something you can only figure out with faith. It's something you can only figure out with him. It is not something you can figure out on your own. It is something you get from the spirit of God. The mystery is revealed when he talks to you, when you talk to him. That's why cultivating an experience with God is so important. So important. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to, s some of you are like, man, I wish you'd get to the point of the, what the purpose is. Get, just give me the purpose. Come back next week. We might talk about it. We are identifying the lies. We are identifying these things. And it's a lie that you cannot accomplish your purpose because you don't have the right job or you don't have the right position or you don't have the right title. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is a major lie in our culture that we need to put away. And as you come to this, like this, this realization that God's purpose is so much bigger, then I want you to be willing to open up your heart and say, okay, God, if it's not just contained in a, in a job, then, then show, show me the greater picture. Show me the, lift my eyes above the trees. Lift my eyes above all the busyness of my life and help me to see what you're trying to do. The purpose that's in my life. The purpose that you've planned for me from the beginning of my life. Lord, would you do this? Show it to us. Reveal it to us. Give us understanding. Give us revelation. Right here in this room. Right here in this place. We look to you. 